back to Vignettes, the EWF Storytelling Podcast. My name's Gria, and I'm the Program Coordinator at the Emerging Writers Festival. I'm recording today on the unceded sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and the live recordings featured in today's episode were also made on Wurundjeri country. EWF pays our respects to Wurundjeri elders past and present, and to the elders of all lands that this podcast reaches. Today I'm bringing you the last two readings that were recorded back in June 2022 at EWF from Luke Patterson and Polly Sara responding to the theme of Hibernate. Like last week's episode, I'll hand over to my live recorded self to introduce the artists so that you can hear all the lovely applause that welcomed them. This is Luke Patterson. Luke is a Gamilaroi poet, folklorist, and musician living on Gadigal lands. His poetry has appeared in Cordite, Plumwood Mountain, Rabbit, Running Dog, and The Suburban Review. He's also featured in anthologies, Active Aesthetics, Firefront, First Nations Poetry and Power Today, and Best of Australian Poems 2021. Luke is currently a Wheeler Centre Next Chapter Fellow and a Sydney Review of Books Juncture Fellow for 2022. His research and creative pursuits are grounded in extensive work with First Nations and other community-based organisations across Australia. Please welcome Luke. Thank you. Um, For for me, hibernation, the first thing that came to my mind was well, rest, those, those structured rests that we have. And the, the, the first one then, then come to my mind was um, Sunday and, and creation stories, the, uh, the, the, the big one that lots of people know, um, how the, God rested on the, on the seventh day and it got me thinking about creation stories more broadly and creation be- beings that rest and even here closer to home, those that you know, create, create the land and... Um, and then step off from a mountain into the sky or create the rivers and go go subterranean and, and, and rest. And so I think uh, for, for, for me it was very much about this emerging and um, effervescent ongoing potentiality, um, I think, of creation – um, which is always balanced by moments of respite and moments of action. And so th- this is where I sort of um, came to this poem called Australia, a creation myth. Before old man Cookie on his boat, only darkness, a fog of warring savage, a state of nature for the taking, so they say. So history tells us. The heavens spun chartless, Earth's heathen children huddled by fire. Poor creature, the newcomers thought, approaching the shores of another Eden to plunder. When old man Cookie came on his boat, two brothers, who are now legend, stood sentry on golden sand and tasted their first musket shot. The salt air turned foul like earth had opened its bowels. An explosion signifying what comes next. A well-oiled machine called death. It came and swallowed the birds and their pearls of laughter heralding sunrise. 
then shut out a saviour. It came and swallowed the beasts of the ground, untamed, exalted kin, then shut out the domesticated. It swallowed the trees, the mountains and rivers that marked homelands, then shut out houses. It swallowed the flowering medicines, sweet, abundant sustenance, then shut out pox and profit. It swallowed the stars entangled with ancestors, then shut out city lights. It swallowed Earth's custodians, exquisite, ingenious, savage, always savage, but could not consume them. It spat them out and waited for the tide of history to wash them from the face of the land. But the land's face was their face. Death could not shoot them, dead, could not breed them out, could not make them forget the songs and dances spanning across the ice ages to the dawn of consciousness itself. Since old man Cookie on his boat, just a fragment in comparison to what came before and what always will be. Uh, and... I'm going to read um, three little tiny itty-bitty ones, uh, just uh, an aperitif, is that what they could Before I go to the last one, which is a bit her uh, heavy, um, and they're in a, a form called a triolet, triolet, I don't know how, how to... Well, triptych is not a triptych, but there are three of them, though. Um, a triolet, so it's... it's a part of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's just a repeating structure. I think they're quite cute. And I wrote a lot of them in lockdown, so that's the hibernation uh, aspect. Uh, tree, uh, number one. Aunt points to the lagoon where she was born. The mud is thick. Insects hoon as aunt walks me to the lagoon. The sun sets and even the moon is listening to a story torn. Aunt points to the lagoon where she was born. Number two, between layers of silver bark, moth larvae traces zigzags and circuitous arcs between layers of silvery bark. A caterpillar feasts on scar tissue in the hidden place between layers of silvery bark. A moth emerges moon-faced. Number three, we walk bird-watching their names bubbling from country. We talk, bird, watching Gijidigaga hatchlings amongst a waddle's flame. We call birds watching and practice their names. That's number three. The cute little refreshers. Um, this last poem is called... Um, <laughs> it changes name every day, I feel like. It's one of those poems that refuses to be named. Um, but today it's called Letters from Land. You've given me a new name in a dead language. Air dried and eaten by history. Flattened, the colour gone, pressed to the page, stored and studied, facsimile after facsimile. You so admired the first razor leaf with cream-covered flowers, 
flush pink, red, and the plum darker side of austral bracken possibilities. You chose stasis, left your indifference in climate-controlled coffins, absent, uncirculating. Unable to sing without returning, to regenerate, to nourish, to burn. I am an artifice and fact of thieves, found along the margins of rivers and creeks, where I ponder your garden culture and self-imposed enclosure, written in the mundane avenue woodlot, windbreak and park. You have tasted my berries, acid sweet when ripe, without a thought for the seasons. You feel heartburn, belly ache, and in a restless sleep, you ghostwrite dreams on tattered paper barks. I have said my piece with these ghostly whims. Distilled the tea tree into forget-me-all oil, ornamental and yielding. I have taken in your bowery and bleeding hearts, said my piece with your intrusions, the silence in your sciences, where at the sterile apex tick tip, a blackish stigma, taxa not included. No matter how hard you try to own, to possess my expanse and breadth, I hold you within my arms. And now my children come knocking to retrieve the particles of me, stolen in so-called good faith. Don't be surprised when I rise, teaching again the first great archive reigning all over you. Thank you so much, Luke. Uh, next we're going to hear from Polly. Polly Sara is a queer Chilean Sir Syrian immigrant who makes art because big fucking love is simply too big to hold alone. A love letter to ache, to dreaming, and all that runs bone deep. They perform, write, or make whatever feels good. Their work is a hope prayer, a communion to all the queers, the migrants, the misfits, and the ones with love too heavy to hold. May our time together be big, may it feel like a party, may it be fucking real, and may it exist solely for us because of us. Thanks. Please welcome Polly. Déjala llorar, deja que la llore, porque si ella buena caramba un día se viene. Déjala llorar, deja que la llore, Porque si ella buena caramba un día se viene. This song has occupied my body for the last year and a half. In this time, I have found myself moving with ghosts. Existing in a state of convalescence where only shadows meet. A forced reclusion, a hibernation. From what was and what is yet to come. 
Somewhere between night and morning, something came and stole my insides. Without my knowing or asking, they left me gutless, asked me to fight for my life, having no armour, no fire, no army, no courage or drive. I was caught unawares and asked to complete the impossible task of fighting for something that was no longer mine. As everyone around me went about their day, as if nothing had happened, I fought for my life, trying to save something that without my knowledge was already dead. In the aftermath, I walked through my days as an outline, feeling myself as nothing more than a thin veil between what was inside and what was outside. Just as a winter creature retreats, I felt this cosmic shift drawing me out from the living world and into the abyss, a place in which to lick my wounds, unseen, unheard. I had occupied this space before, in a different life, in a performance realm where Butoh masters directed that I yield to the dream space of nothingness, where life and death exist all at once. It's not an easy thing, and it takes this great purging within oneself to dissolve into a space where dream life enters the waking life. Where waking life enters the realm of a dream. These Butoh masters, they would drink this special broth that would induce this state. And I remembered its taste as appetite no longer visited me as the dreaming plunged itself further and further into the real. And just like that, this strange demon had entered the waking world and everything around me was strange and estranged. I walked around disembodied, wondering why my body just hadn't decided to die. How strange for it to happen as our physical world seemed to fracture too. I had no anchors to hold on to, nothing familiar to hold in the ritual. All of it was gone and reality inside or outside made no fucking sense. I made no fucking sense. No matter how hard I tried. I cried every day for a year and a half. Always at 3pm when work ceased and my body stopped, caught up with itself. That harrowing moment when it was time to go home. Partly because I no longer had a home to speak of and partly because, I don't know, death, loss, grief, 
is so immense that this little body, it just couldn't hold it all. I wailed and wailed and wailed, wishing for it to just stop, to go back, to go home. But home wouldn't have me. Not anymore. I clutched onto music, to singers who understood what it is to inhabit this kind of ache, or rather, what it is to have this kind of ache inhabit you. To sing as a way of crying, that's what Chevelle Vargas says. Simply because in this place there is just nothing else the body can do. Because in the aftermath, after losing everything, music, singing as a way of crying was all I fucking had. So I would say to myself, Déjala llorar, deja que la llore, porque si ella buena caramba un día se viene. I would sing this song over and over and over again as a way of giving permission to something that I did not want something I did not choose, something I could not escape, something that had clutched onto me and would not let go. I made coffee for people this way. I work in hospitality. And I would engage in the idle chit-chat that we all perform when our internal landscapes quietly implode. I would silently sing to myself, Déjala llorar, deja que la llore. All the while flinching at that question, how are you today? I no longer asked and nor did I ever answer. I in turn would simply sing to myself like a mad woman, sing as a way of crying, sing as a way of self-soothing, sing as a way of not dying. I knew I wasn't alone. So many of us dragging our feet as exit wounds stain the cold concrete before us as dream life now penetrated waking life, as cells vibrated, as hands moved whilst on fire, as all of us moved, just trying to get through, shell-shocked from what had just happened to us, all in quiet corners where no one saw and no one could speak. I yearned to have someone make sense of me, to pull me out from this place, this harrowing cave, to sing my song back to me, to hear it from another voice, a better voice, a better body than this rubble body that I seem to inhabit. In the depths of death's company, I yearned to have someone say to me, I see you. I feel you. I'd give nothing more than to run my finger along your lines, however thin. I won't ever 
leave you. Oh, to have you surge your electricity through my body, reviving it back to waking life, out from the depths of this death, this cave, this forced state of convalescence. To have you sing to me, Déjala llorar, deja que la llore, as a radical celebration, a gesture away from death and towards hope. A song that awakens the fire within us all, draws us into the light, out from our caves, illuminating the messy, imperfect, fallible, yet beautiful creatures that we all are. To celebrate the fact, the simple fact that after everything that we all have endured, we're not dead. That despite our very selves, our spirit, our fire continues to burn. To remind ourselves that after it all, when we have lost everything. We can still choose to sing and not only as a way of crying, but sing as a radical way of living. Thank you. Thanks so much, Polly, and thanks also to Luke for reading for us back in June. Thank you for listening to Vignettes this week, and please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join us again next week where we'll hear stories of Fright from Katarina Gibson, Khalid Wasami, and Grace Chan. If you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please leave us a little rating or review. Vignettes is produced by me, Greer Clemens, and audio produced by Joe Buchan. Our theme music is by Two Care. To find out more about the artists featured in today's episode and about EWF itself, you can go to emergingwritersfestival.org.au.